Xavier, and welcome to the Oxano Podcast. Oxano is a worship service for college students and young adults that takes place weekly during the school year at Dawson Family of Faith. If you're ever in Birmingham, Alabama on a Tuesday night, we hope you'll join us as we worship through song, prayer, and the Word. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, so for our scripture reading tonight, it'll be in John 16, and it's verses 31 through 33, Um, and that says, Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Madeline. And y'all, it's good to be back together here this week as we consider God's word. We weren't together last week. We were supposed to be under the stars, but the weather had different plans. And so the Collide Choir, which is our children's choir, was meeting in here. We couldn't be together last week, but that just means we delayed a week for us to be able to start our new series, Memento Mori. And y'all, I'm going to tell you, this series, I am all kinds of excited about. Uh, This series has been two years in the making. I've been wanting to do it for a while. I still remember sitting in the fellowship hall. Yes, our church is old and we have a fellowship hall. And we were down in the fellowship hall in front of a whiteboard and we were talking about what we were gonna preach through at Oxano for that year. And I was all hyped. I was excited because I had this new idea that I was ready to come and talk to the team. And I was gonna pitch them on a series of suffering, grief, and death. And I was like, I have a vision. I'm thinking black and white and skulls. And they were just like, too soon, too soon. Okay, not yet, but maybe later. And so two years later, and we are finally able to bring it out of the archives and dust it off and to be able to talk and consider these things together. Y'all, we just finished a relationship series. It was a tremendous time, and it's produced a lot of great conversations and it's the things that we're teaching through a lot of times, I think are hyper, I think God's word is always relevant for his people. But there are some things that we talk about from God's word that you feel more intensely. You feel that it is more relevant because you are walking through it right now. And so with the relationships, it's something that everybody's interested in talking about and something that everybody is experiencing, like that they are wanting to experience. Well, this new series that we're gonna be going through, Memento Mori, It is something that everybody is going through, but that nobody wants to talk about. And as we're going through, as we are considering this week's suffering, next week, grief, and then the final week, death, our prayer is, our hope is that we consider these things, that God would help us to see these things rightly. Because a lot of times in this modern day and age, what we want to be able to do is to keep these things at arm's length. We want to ignore them or pretend like they're not there or we want to numb their presence in our lives, whether that's through pleasure or through the pursuit of other things. But Christianity will not let us do that. Jesus will not let us do that because Jesus brings each of these front and center. And Jesus has a strong word to say about those things. And it's not something that we need to shy away from. It's not anything that we need to roll off but it is something that we need to embrace. And so as we come together tonight, we're going to be looking at one verse. Now, we're going to be looking at a lot of verses because we love the Bible here at Oxana. But we're going to be using one verse 
And we're going to be unpacking it phrase by phrase. And I mean, it goes without saying, there are a lot of different ways to be able to approach the Bible, right? That there are some times, right, where you can do a 30,000 foot view, where you can cover a lot of ground. Any of y'all ever been to like a secret church thing, David Platt, Radical Ministries, right? Drinking from a fire hydrant, right? Going through 30,000 foot view, covering a lot. It's high and it's long. But then you can also really focus in You can isolate, you can look at the beauty of one verse, kind of in a similar way with photography. We have some photographers in here, some aspiring photographers. Well, we all are photographers. You know, you carry around a camera in your pocket all the time. And as you're going through, that there are times where you can get this beautiful landscape photo of an entire forest or a mountain range or a flower field at this time of year that's making me sneeze my head off, right? Or you can go and you can get on portrait mode And you can gaze at the beauty and the grandeur of a single flower. And that both the large and the small, the wide and the focused, we can see both of those things in God's word. In a similar way like that you do with a flower, that there are sometimes that we want to pick these things. And we want to be able to take them with us. And that we want to be able to return to them time And again, memorizing God's word, hiding it deep within our heart. In tonight's verse that we're going to be looking at, John 16, 33, I would contend is worth you plucking and placing in your mind and planting firmly in your heart. Because there will be times of inevitable suffering. There will be trials that come through your life. And if we could create a trigger response for you to immediately go to this verse, the Holy Spirit will be able to bring tremendous profit for you and help you as you are walking through whatever suffering that might be. And so as we're going through and as we're looking at this, John 16, 33, let's set the table. Let's get, let's get some context. Jesus was literally at a sat table when he was saying these words. That Jesus, this is when he's in the upper room, the night that he's to be cru- before he's crucified. This is the upper room discourse. Through multiple chapters in the Gospel of John, he has been speaking To his disciples, he has washed their feet. He has said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He's taught about heaven. He's told them what the Son of Man must do, how he must be delivered up, how he must suffer, and he would be crucified, but on the third day, rise again. And Jesus is nearing the end of his upper room discourse, the farewell speech to his disciples before his betrayal and crucifixion, and this is what what he says. He says, I have spoken these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. As we look at each of these phrases in turn, Jesus says at the beginning, I have spoken these things to you. Well, what are those things? It's the things that he said in the context of the Gospel of John that he told them in the upper room, but really it could be extended out into all of the things that Jesus has told them up until this point. All of the teaching that Jesus has given to his disciples. And aren't you grateful that we have a God who speaks? That we don't have to try to figure things out on our own. But that we have a God, not that we have to, that is distant and aloof and far off and takes some sort of pleasure in being hard to find. But we have a God, rather, who has come to us in the person of his son who has come in Christ and who has spoken actual words that we now have recorded for our benefit. We have a God who speaks. 
He says, I have spoken these things to you. Why? That in me you may have peace. This is the purpose. That in me you may have peace. Peace with God. Well, what is peace? Right? There are a lot of these words. You know, if we try to use some sort of modern conception, if we try to plug those back into what these words meant, sometimes we're going to fall short. Like, if you, when you think peace, like in me you have peace, like you do not need to think 60s tie-dye, you do not need to think peace signs, right? You do not need to think oneness with the universe, you know, it's not flower childs, anything like that. Not nothing related to, not that kind of peace. But even in our modern Western conception of peace, it's not even like the absence of war that we're talking about here. But Jesus, when he's using the word peace, it's the Greek word irene, and it's hearkening back to the Old Testament word shalom, right? You know that song, like when we will feast in the house of Zion, we will sing with our hearts restored, and we, we sing shalom, and Micaiah hits that note, and we're all just like, yes, Lord! You know, it's one of those things. Yeah, you know that word shalom? It's peace. It's wholeness. It is fullness. It is blessedness. It's not framed from the negative of not bad. It is framed from positive, being filled up, full, overflowing with blessing and wholeness. It's a highly relational term. I mean, I don't have to paint with too many words the discord that can happen in relationships, right? Some of you, it might be with your roommates. It might be with your siblings. It might be with your parents. It might be with your coworkers. But you know what it's like when there is discord. When you are out of step, when the relationship is on the rocks between two people, where a word, you could use any word to characterize the relationship, but it would not be the word peace. You know what I'm saying? And as we're going through the scriptures, as the story of redemption unfolds, it says that we are at war with God. That there was an all-out assault on his glory and original sin and now that has taken up residence in every human heart. And that we, by nature, objects of wrath, are far away from God and are at odds with him. We are at enmity with God. That peace is a word that would not characterize our natural state before the divine. But Jesus is coming And he says, I have spoken these things to you so that in me you may have peace. And it is this peace with God that Jesus is coming to restore. And because Jesus is coming to restore that peace with God, now we can have peace with our neighbors. Now we can have peace with our brothers and sisters. Now we can have peace with our fellow men and women. It is because Jesus is saying that I am now bringing peace. You had sin and a fractured relationship with me. We were not in right relationship, but I am not going to leave you there. I am going to make peace. This is what Paul picks up on in the letter to the church at Colossae in chapter 1. For in him, that is in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to him. That that word reconcile, it's to bring back together. Another highly relational term. To reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. Making peace 
by the blood of his cross. That Jesus, through his suffering, was able to bring peace between a holy God and unrighteous humanity. That God was able to tear down the dividing wall of hostility between us and him and between us and the people around us. And he has restored peace. And this is not beauty pageant, what do you want for this world? World peace. This is not that kind of peace. But wholeness, right relationship, full blessing with God and one another. I've spoken these things to you so that in me you may have peace. He gives us this peace. This right relationship that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God, that they have the blessedness of that sweet and holy union that they have, that is what we are brought into. That is what is available to us. We have the very peace of Christ available to us. It's what Paul would say again in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Follow along. Therefore, since we have been justified, declared righteous by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Before we go through and we talk about the particularities of suffering, you have to answer the question, are you at peace with God? Has this relationship with the one who created you and who gave his life for you, are you in step with him? Are you at odds Or are you submitting and walking in his ways after him? Are you continuing to try to earn your way, to earn your keep in the family of God? Or have you fully and finally received the inheritance that is yours? Are you at peace with God? Because when you are at peace with God, when you are in right relationship with him, we are prepared for the next section of this verse in John 16, 33. In this world... You will have tribulation. You see, this phrase, it mirrors the one that we just read together. Like if if you were to translate it from the Greek to the English in a very wooden kind of hyper-structured kind of way, you'd be able to see more of the parallel structure that's going on. It would read something like this. In me, peace you may have. In the world, tribulation you will have. Well, I mean, Jesus is not just trying to sound like Yoda right here, right? You know, predates Yoda, all that kind of stuff. But what he's doing is he is going through and he is drawing up these parallel statements. And you can see that in the world, there will be tribulation. I put some other translations up here. Praise God, we got a bunch of different translations in here. But we've got trouble. We've got trials and sorrows. We have suffering and we have difficulties that you're able to see the fully orbed nature of this word, the tribulation, the trouble, the suffering, the pain that we will experience here in the world. These are guaranteed to happen. That we will have these. It's not an if but a when scenario. And y'all, it's a simple reminder that our lives will not be easy. Now, there is suffering of our own making. There is suffering that comes from foolish decisions, right? You did not study for a test. You get a bad grade on a test. You have to dig yourself out of a GPA hole, 
right? You know, that kind of suffering that is of your own choice. But when you have a chronic illness that you just can't seem to get answers for, that's a suffering of a different kind. When maybe you, a lot of folks in the college age, young adult age, it's the time maybe when they first experienced death of a parent or a grandparent of someone that's very close to them. And you just feel what feels to be the finality of death and just wave after wave of grief that seems to wash over you. And you think that some days you're getting better and then it ramps back up again. That as you start to go through and as you start to experience these different things, you realize that there are sufferings of a lot of different stripes and you walk through seasons You're well acquainted with pain and loss, diagnoses, death, divorce. Maybe your parents' marriage is crumbling while you're here at school and you feel like you're helpless to be able to do anything while they're at home. Here in this world, we will have wave after wave that pound the ships of our lives and it will feel like they might capsize us. But as we're going through, here in this world, the waters of life might be turbulent and chaotic, But we need to remember this. Peace with God does not exempt us from suffering in this world. Peace with God can be an anchor for the soul. Some of y'all might be familiar um, with Horatio Spafford. Others of you, maybe not. And I don't know why you would know a 19th century Chicago lawyer, but maybe you do. But Horatio Spafford, uh, I mean, really interesting guy. But he and his wife, they uh, were in Chicago, and their family, they lost everything in the great Chicago fire of 1871. I mean, any of y'all have been to Chicago, and you go on the boat tours? All that, I mean, it's super cool architecture, everything, right? But, like, you go through, and they start talking about that great Chicago fire and how everything was devoured in it. And so Horatio, he and his wife, they're two years removed from losing everything in that generational fire. And they're like, we're going on holiday, right? We're going across the pond, right? You know, we're going overseas. And he gets hung up on some sort of real estate deal. And he sends his wife and he sends his four daughters on ahead of him across over to Europe on a French ocean liner. And, you know, that's the days before, you know, being able to follow a little GPS dot. That's the days before the Internet. But Horatio, he gets a message a couple of weeks later that is brief, but from his wife, that says, saved all alone. What to do? Well, come to find out that French ocean liner sank on its way across the ocean. And his wife was found by a neighboring ship on some wreckage unconscious. And all four of his daughters died. And he immediately gets on a ship and he tries to go over there to be with his grieving wife. And he learns more details as he's on the ship. And the captain of the ship actually comes and finds Horatio and says, it's around this spot that the ship went down. And as he looks over the edge of the ship and he goes back to the quarters 
where he's been resting his weary head and soaking his pillow with tears night after night. He writes these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You might sing those words different now that you know the story behind them. Because Horatio Spafford knew that peace with God did not exempt him from trouble here in this world. And that he, as he's on that ship, is experiencing sea billow rolling on his ship like the grief that is washing over him day after day and second after second. He is talking about the peace of God that meets him there in those moments. And from a posture of trust, being able to say, it is well with my soul. You see, peace with God, it does not exempt us from trouble in this world. But the peace of God sustains us in times of trouble. He sustains us. I truly believe that what, when Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that promise that he made that he will keep. And if you're like me for so much of my life, I didn't feel like I experienced any tremendous amount of suffering. For the longest time I thought, man, nothing really wrong has gone, like gone wrong in my perfect little life. And I would start to anticipate well, what, will the, what will happen I would start to dread this or that eventuality. I would start to think about who close to me that I would lose or what the Lord would take away. And I would start to anticipate the hurt that I would feel. But I was greatly encouraged when uh, Kara, actually, we were in the office one day, shared with me from some of the learning that she's been doing through her school. And she said that Anxiety and fear can be a false prophet. And how it will say things. You will feel this way. This will happen. And it will lead to this. But it is utterly discounting the presence of the Holy Spirit to sustain you in those moments. That he who is with you and knit you together in your mother's womb, who made you, who saw that you were born and born again, he has not brought you this far to abandon you. And he will see you through. That doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. That doesn't mean that there won't be pain, but it means that he will be present. And we can trust in a good God who never leaves us nor forsakes us. We might never understand why these things happen on this side of eternity, that there will be tribulation in his life, but they do not have the final word. Jesus doesn't stop with the word about tribulation. I'm not just gonna leave you hanging there. In this world, you'll have trouble. Okay, bye, y'all have a good night, right? We pick up in the next part of John 16, 33, where it says this, but take heart. Yeah, that got you to look up, right? Take heart. Take 
heart. It could be translated, take courage. Dare to even is a way that you could render it. That this word right here is stout. It's potent. It puts a fire in your core. It sounds like, get ready. I'm about to put my courage in your chest. It's like those rousing pre-battle speeches in those movies that you see. Don't worry, I'm not going to refer to Lord of the Rings again, even though I could, uh, right? You know, just pick a speech, pick a movie, right? But you can go through and you see the inevitable pain that's going to happen with the clash that's coming. But you have the words of the one who is going before you that you are following, who is leading the charge. Take heart, take courage, dare to even. That with this right here, taking heart, it means looking at the circumstances that we find ourselves in and moving forward anyway. That there is a movement right here in that we are following Jesus. We are following our King. We are following our Savior. We take heart in the midst of tribulation. We don't crumble beneath the weight. We keep pressing on. It's like Paul in 2 Corinthians when he's going through and he's laundry listing his suffering. He says this in chapter 4. He says, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed. Perplexed but not driven to despair. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. We take heart. We take courage. We dare to keep Moving forward, we are walking in the footsteps of our Savior. You could probably attest to this, that at different points, that there are times where it feels like things are just ramping up all at the same time, right? And maybe not just in your life, but in the lives of those around you. I still remember that there was a time, I guess it was about 12 to 18 months ago now, I don't know, my team could verify as we were going through, our team meets together every Monday morning and we go through the prayer request from the previous day that, for the QR code that only half of you do. It's okay, I'm not better. But we go through on Monday mornings and we actually pray over the prayer request that people trust us with. And we go through and we catch up from the weekends for our team and we actually figure out how we can pray for one another. And there are some seasons on our team where, man, things are, things are pretty great. Things are pretty smooth, pretty uneventful. But there was a time about 12 to 18 months ago that our team would instantly be able to recall. Personally and in our families, Kara's mom had just been diagnosed with cancer. Call, I mean, Sydney wasn't on our team yet, but Sydney's mom had been diagnosed with cancer. My mom had had a recurrence of cancer. We were all going through particularly hard things with transitions here at the church, high to the pandemic. And we all were feeling this. As I I was reading this verse, it took me back to that time. That in those moments, we were afflicted in every way, but we weren't crushed. The Lord was with us. We were perplexed. We were trying to figure out why and how all of these things seemed to be layered on at the same time, but we were not driven to despair. We were persecuted in certain ways. We felt the afflictions of the enemy, but we were not forsaken. The Lord was with us, that we were struck down. There were times where we were literally on our knees, but we were not utterly destroyed because the Lord sustained us. 
and you would be able to go through and you'd be able to trace back through the timeline of your life those moments that would feel hard where you felt like the troubles of this world were enlarged in your eyes. And as you're going through, you'd be able to see that the Lord, he was faithful then to bring you through. And he will be faithful now through whatever suffering, through whatever tribulation, through whatever trial you find yourself going through. He has not brought you this far to abandon you. You can take courage. You can take heart for only one reason. It's because of the last part of John 16, 33. Because he has overcome the world. It would be mere sentimentality and just trying to pump you up full of motivation that is here today and gone tomorrow. If Jesus said, take heart, take courage, dare to even believe, you know, and if he died and stayed dead. But because Jesus died and rose again and now holds the keys to the grave and that he has all authority in heaven on earth and under the earth and that one day every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of the God of the Father, that because of this, we can now take heart He's the overcomer. It's a word that's also translated the conqueror. The one who has utterly defeated. What has he defeated? He's defeated the world. The arena where we will have the tribulation. The place where we will feel the pain. And you see this right here. Jesus, as he is going over and as he is overcoming, we see in Romans 6, 9, we know that Christ being raised from the dead, he will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Because Jesus died and rose again, because he overcame and he slew death by the abundance of his life, we can now take heart, we can take courage, and we can trust God that our suffering is not pointless. You see, there are other religions or there are certain thoughts or certain vibes, if you will, out there, right? That, are try, that will try to address suffering. Because why? We all feel it. It's universal. You can't escape it. You might not want to talk about it, but that's not going to mean it's not going to come. And for certain schools of thought, for certain religions, for certain approaches, for certain people, it's ignore it. For others... It's try to numb it. Try to refocus. But Christianity is unique in the sense that God is in the business of transforming it. That God is in the business of redeeming the pain. Of renewing us as we walk through it. Because he's the one who has overcome the world but he's also the one in the book of Revelation who says, Behold, I am making all things new. As we're going through and as we experience this, as we now look forward to that and we live in the in-between, that Jesus has 
conquered death, that he, as the servant who suffered on the cross, that he, in being able to bring us back to peace with God, that as we're going through this, and as we are able to see the effects of the Calvary to this very day, we live and we wait and we long for when he comes back and where the heavens and the earth are made new. We are caught between Calvary and Jesus' second coming, between the first advent and the second advent. We live in the already but in the not yet. We live and we feel the effects and we see how Jesus has utterly changed everything, but we have not seen what this world will look like when it is fully and finally renewed. We are in this tension, this already, this not yet. We are living in the middle of in the world you will have tribulation, but we are looking forward to the consummation, to the overcoming of the world. We are to take heart. Friends, what we really need is we need a change in perspective. We need a change in perspective. Because you see, there are a lot of times where your troubles will feel like they are this close. And that the things that you're experiencing, that it's all that there is. It's like um, when I was 12, 13, I don't know, just kind of bridging into the teenage years. You know, everybody wants to be tough, everybody wants to be cool, everybody wants to be like they have their life together, and nobody does, I don't know. I went through the awkward middle school years, but I'm, I'm more and more convinced that y'all don't do that anymore. I don't know how, but uh, it's middle school. It was awful. And, you know, I never wanted to be the one that was fearful. I never wanted to be the one that seemed like that they were out of control or anything. But I was going on a family vacation, and we were getting ready to fly as a family. And flying didn't really bother me, but storms did. Like, I still remember as a little kid, y'all, going to the ballpark, and if I could see a dark cloud in the distance, I'd be like, are we canceling practice? You know, it's like, it's one of those things, like, I mean, you know, we're out in the middle of a field, and I have a big metal bat. Like, it's a lightning rod here, okay? I don't know, what are we doing here? I would just become so fretful of storms. And so we're getting ready to go on a family vacation, and it's raining, and I'm like, excuse me, pilot. I mean, you see this raining, right? We can't take off. Well, you most definitely can. Oh, well, there was some thunder and lightning in the distance. I was like, I mean, we're going in the sky, and it's all connected. You know, it's, it's one of those things. I, I don't think that this is a good idea, sir and madam. And I'm going over here, and we are... In and the buckle, the seatbelt light comes on, and we start to pull out of the terminal. And I was just like, oh my goodness, we're going. We're actually flying. And I mean, I was like, we're going to die. And it's, God, I needed this series. And we're going through. And as we are plunging <laughs> upward into the dark clouds with the lightning in the distance, the pilot comes over. She says, we're going to experience just a little bit of turbulence. And I'm like, we're moving closer and, in fact, into that which is producing great anxiety in here. This is not a good idea. But I was trapped. I was alone. And I was buckled. And there was no getting out. 
But when we broke through the, the line of clouds and we were able to see, for me, the first time, the storm beneath my feet, it was the most beautiful day. The sun was shining. It was getting ready to set off in the distance. But you see, from my limited perspective and vantage point on the ground over here, sometimes we can think that the storm that we're going through, we can tend to think that this is all that there is. And this is all that ever will be. And we can sometimes think, I don't know, you know, it's really funny, y'all, with radar and different things like that, as connected as our world is right now. Sometimes we're going to have severe weather again tomorrow, so be, be weather aware. I sound like my mom, but going through, you know, just watch the radar. But as you're going through, you can tend to think that when it is raining wherever you are, it is raining everywhere. Or maybe that's just me. But like when I'm talking to family in South Carolina, I'm like, oh yeah, we had, oh, it's just so raining. They're like, it's beautiful today. I'm like, what? It's a, it, is, it is like this everywhere. That we can sometimes think that what we're experiencing is all pervasive and eternal. That everything and everyone is feeling this and that this is all that there is. But sometimes what we need is merely a change in perspective. And to be able to perhaps go closer and to push in and through that thing which is producing great anxiety and coming out on the other side and having an elevated perspective and being able to see that the sun is still shining even when I can't see it. And that the Lord is still upholding and sustaining creation even when I feel like my life is coming apart at the seams. And that when I feel naked and vulnerable and exposed and weak and I'm in the fetal position on the floor, that Christ comes and in love wraps his arms around me. And I'm able to feel in my soul the scriptures that he will shelter us in his wings. That God is a refuge in our strength, a very present help in times of trouble, that our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. That when you get to those moments where you feel like you are reduced to nothing, the Lord will meet you there. Jesus knows what it's like to suffer. Jesus knows what it's like to be exposed. Jesus took our sin. He took our shame. He took our ultimate suffering that was coming for each and every one of us. Eternal separation from the one who knows us and loves us. And he took that and he put it away. He has overcome the world. So friends, maybe it's through something you're going through right now. Maybe it's something that you will be going through before this semester or before this work year is over. I would encourage you, take heart. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we, we are asking for your help.
God, there are going to be those days and there are going to be those times where we feel like we can't stand. And as we've sung before at different times, when we cannot stand, we fall on you. Jesus, you are our hope. You are our stay. We trust that you are God and that you are working and able to work all things together for our ultimate good and God, for your glory. God, even those things that we wish weren't a part of our story, even those things that we're still wrestling with here and now, God, that you are able to take even what other people have meant for evil. God, you are to take even those and to turn them for good. We thank you that you're in the redeeming business, that you're in the business of renewal. Would you renew us? Would you redeem us? Would you help us to suffer well? And would you shape us into the image of Christ? We ask this humbly in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Oxano podcast. If you want more information on the songs that we sing at Oxano, you can find us on Spotify at Oxano Songs We Sing. If you have more questions about what it means to follow Jesus or about next steps in following him, please email us at connect at dawsonchurch.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.